0: Welcome back to the Elevate Podcast. It has been a little bit. I've taken a role with the University of Northern Colorado Bears football team, and, well, it's football season, so that is quickly the gap in episodes. There are more lined up coming. However, if you've dialed us back and come to check this one out, and whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place My guest this episode is an author, speaker, and coach. You can sign up to get his Jedi Scrolls at his website linked up here. The Jedi Scrolls, if you want to check out and learn more of those, dial it back to episode 20 of the Elevate Podcast because my guest this episode is our first return guest to the show. He has two new books out, A Quiet Mind and Quiet Mind for Kids. Welcome back to the Elevate Podcast, my friend Colin Henderson.
1: excited it's it's fun being around people that have a similar passion similar vision similar heart to serve in in the the, the, the mental performance space i think yeah i'd love to get your backstory like wh- why'd you get so kind of like curious about
0: it um i think i got more curious about it um, maybe this would be a good podcast episode <laughs> sometime, but, uh um,
1: rolling. Let's press. We're recording, right?
0: Yeah, let's, we're going.
1: Let's, let's just have a, let's record a conversation,
0: man. That's cool. Um, I kind of really got into it. I think there's kind of like three, three kind of like life points that I've kind of, I guess, looked back upon in, um, one is a story I've told speaking, uh, you know, got, got ejected out of a high school football game, high school homecoming game. Um, you know, spiral, you know, downward spiral, couldn't keep my cool personal foul led to the, that, you know, kind of story. And, um, I struggled as a little kid, uh, keeping my cool composure. You were a good baseball player, man. Baseball had my mind, all kinds of wacko, um, as a kid in challenges. And then as I got to be a, a bit better off in high school, I was, you know, improved, but I think it was a lot of bottling it up. There wasn't tools to manage um, those things. And, you know, so senior year, getting ejected at my, my homecoming game uh, was, was embarrassing, crippling, uh, humiliating, uh, you know, humbling. Were you gonna fight? Were you throwing punches? What? No. So we were uh, – <laughs> Playing like, you know, homecoming, you schedule, you know, maybe a team that you got a good shot to beat, right? So we were playing like the, the worst team in the conference. They did have a good quarterback who ended up being a Big Ten point guard for Iowa. So that dude could ball. And in about six minutes, he had an interception for a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and had a reception for a touchdown. And we were losing. Tried to – all of a sudden, it was like, what? Down 21 nothing. So the first personal foul, you know, had a running play. I was playing running back, got dropped for a short loss, trying to get, you know, fire up my my linemen. I knew we were better than that. And as I kind of told him, hey, we're let's step it up. We're better than this. Spiked the football, and the football bounced and hit the ref in the face. So that was good. Yeah. And so – we end up, you know, making a comeback, and and then the third quarter, you know, this team that we always played in our conference was kind of known for being, you know, being a little dirty, kind of cheap and stuff. And so getting out of a pile, as I was kind of getting up, one of the linebackers like shoved me back down, and it made it look like my leg went up. And the that ref that got hit in the face in the first half over there threw a flag, was like he kicked him and threw me out of the game. Um, so then I had to sit out the next game. Um, D1 schools that I was getting some recruiting with kind of just radio silent. Um, and my team actually had to win the next game without me so that we could actually go to the playoffs so that I would even be able to play in one more high school game. So, you know, all those things from letting down your teammates to, you know, being humiliated to, you know, all those things was, it was kind of one of them. And then I think, as I did, fortunately, find an opportunity at Northern Iowa, play football there, and um, redshirted. You know, went through that kind of whole grind. Played scout team, went against three guys that ended up playing in the NFL, one in the Super Bowl. So I got my my butt beat my redshirt year a lot. Um, but those guys really honed my skills quickly, being a young young player. And so, as a redshirt freshman the next year, I started getting the mix. Um, started having a lot of back problems, back pain. Um, finally, found that I had a condition called a spondylothesis which for a lot of linemen, they see it more in them, it is more difficult to recover from. But they were told after about the first two neurosurgeons were like, "You're done playing ball." And so, being 19 and having worked so hard, and I was like, "Man, really? You know, my college career is done." Kind of facing that in the mirror. Um, you know, had it, had its elements of depression, confusion, frustration. And uh, when we went to go talk to our athletic director about, all right, if I get medically DQ'd, you know, what does that look like as far as my scholarship? And really the AD just kind of like downplayed, and let's not have that conversation, go see another doctor. And he goes, recommended a neurosurgeon he had seen, and luckily I was able to rest, rehab, and come back. But I think going through that injury was the first time I think I really struggled mentally. Um, all of a sudden you're in the training room, you're not around your teammates. You're not sure where, where your playing time, your future, your depth chart is going to sort out if you're going to be able to come back. And so at that time I had great coaches, great teammates, great trainers, great parents surrounding me that I think really kept me, you know, through that process. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, post-career, post, post career, that back injury kind of mm-hmm. prohibited too much of me really, you know, even having to have some desire to pursue kind of the, the NFL thing. I knew it was kind of a, a really rare chance w- with that documented injury that I'd, you know, get a shot. But uh, I had a bunch of great teammates that had those shots to cheer them on in their careers. And then um, leaving college, it was like getting – after that diagnosis and rehabbing,
1: were you able to, 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 to play?
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had about a joke. I had like six months where I just felt like I was hugging a physio ball, like doing weird, weird rehab, but um, ended up, you know, being able to come back and play. Started my junior year, led the team in tackles, um, was a captain my senior year, and one conference our junior year. Went to the national semis um, or national quarters that year, and so – yeah, it, it was, uh, I was able to kind of get through that. And I think it was largely because I was just surrounded by a lot of great people. Wow. Um, but, but reflecting back, there, there was a lot of struggles. And I think kind of those first, just as a young man, seeing some dark corners I hadn't seen before.
1: Mm-hmm. So story one, story two. Now, where's the, where's the, the, the third one?
0: The third story I guess is, is probably, uh, you know, being a, a former college athlete and dealing with a lot of athletes, you know, I leaving college. I was like, all right, you know, had a great relationship with a couple of my coaches. I'm like, I'm either going to be a GA and start doing that. Or I wanted to get in like, and I was a business major. So I was like sports business attracted me. So, um, ended up going to Chicago. At first I had this hospitality job selling like executive hospitality over the phone to like golf events the final four What really wasn't felt like I was learning anything (laughs) it was just kind of uh and just kind of pounding the phone and learning some phone skills is really cool from it but then the White Sox won the World Series and um trying to you know get into the sports teams I sent resumes I think I sent like three folders to like the Bears the Cubs the White Sox the Bulls and the White Sox were hiring a few more interns you know they had a, a little more things going on after winning the World Series and got an internship um, the internship was able to make commissions so I was actually financially I was making more money as an intern than I was at this other job I disliked got a job with the White Sox eventually and really after about four years there I was just not myself and uh, I remember a good friend of mine. What was your job with the White Sox? Selling uh, tickets and ticket packages, working with fundraisers, sponsorships, kind of business development. Um, Started out with tickets and then I had a business development role kind of my last two years there. So um, sales oriented. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of right at the birth of, you know, social media was coming on the scene, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 2007, 2008 in those years. So kind of, um, that was kind of cool to see just the very beginnings of those things in pro sports um, and how they were just like not even recognized and then so much utilized now. But um, really after a couple of years there, one of my coworkers, good friends was like one of those days I was going through kind of a, a, you know, bad relationship with a girl. I think I was pointing the finger a lot at that relationship for things I was going through. And you know, was starting to have little breakdowns and my buddy was like, you're not yourself. And I was like, you know, screw you. Yeah. man. what are you talking about? You know? And um, then he just kind of looked at me. I'm like, Oh shit. You're kind of right. You're right. And I remember one day just about to have a meltdown at work. And it's like, I got to go talk to somebody. And, and so I was struggling with this relationship and the HR lady was this awesome gal been there with Ryan Storff for like 20 years. And I remember talking to her about being candid about what I was going through. And she's like, well, would you ever go see a therapist? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm a football player. We don't talk about this stuff. I don't want to go. And I remember being like, I don't want to go to some stranger's office and sit there and cry and talk about my feelings. (laughs) And so she looked at me and kind of laughed and it kind of made me laugh. And she goes, that's what you're doing right now. (laughs) And so she's like major league baseball has a program you know and i went to go went to go see a therapist and really a lot of it ended up being you know unpacking a lot of that identity wrapped in sports that i was still from from i think trying to replace you know working for a pro sports team um you know being around those things is not being on part of the team and you know work through some of those identity things that that really uh you know through that therapy would kind of open my eyes to the three stories I just talked about, right? And um spent about six months in therapy and then um really helped me understand myself as a young man. I think I was about 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Um and you know it was refreshing to get professional advice and guidance on things I was going through that were going to affect the rest of my life.
1: Okay, so there's story three. So, so now what? It's like 2008, 2009.
0: So then uh, part of that, I was like, you know, maybe need a little fresh start. Always was looking at jobs in Colorado. At one point, had an internship lined up here um right out of college but it didn't work out with uh wrapping up my football season and so were you a linebacker or a safety what would you safety safety yeah so um got a job uh i had a second interview really with the denver nuggets doing similar stuff to what i was doing with the white Sox. and i remember i packed my jeep and they're like hey do you can you come out for an in-person interview i was like sure so I literally just packed up my whole Jeep. And um, is, that, is that because you're, you're from the area? You're from the, the Denver area? No, grew up mostly in Des Moines. My mom's brother grew up. Out, my mom's brother lived out here. So visited Colorado a lot as a kid, skiing, visiting my uncle. So my dad loved the mountains in the summer. So we did a lot of family trips out here. So kind of fell in love with, with some of the area and the outdoor stuff. Um, you know, Chicago's great best summer city on the planet. But uh, the winters, I was like, man, I don't mind. It's cold. Let's go ski though. Let's get outside. Um, so um, moved out here with that job. Second year, I was with the Nuggets. Things were going well. NBA had a lockout. Um, so when you're kind of in that sales role and they don't play any games, it kind of starts to put a dent in your, your income. And um, a guy I knew that worked in recruiting told me about an organization called Positive Coaching Alliance and he said, you know, I, I looked, you know, into kind of some of your background, and they're trying to launch, you know, a new chapter in Denver. It seems like you've got good connections in the area. Um, when I was in Chicago with some friends, we launched this, like, Chicago sports business professionals group, this networking group, and would host events. Um, Lewis Howes was, like, kind of, a. I went to a he like told me to do this after we went to a baseball game, um, in Chicago one time when we were kind of connected and I was writing for his website. And then I started that group. Have have you heard Lewis on on, on your podcast yet? No, he's like, not yet. Um, If
1: if you hit him, like, yo man, remember me in Chicago, that like sports network? network Yeah. When he had his
0: website, sportsnetworker.com, I was one of the authors and wrote some things on that when I was working for the White Sox. Um, we still traded messages when he came out here for a book tour. I went and saw him and caught up with him for a little bit with, with, with the release of his first book. but um, Ooh, um, so that sports business group I launched that like right away when I got to Denver, so I had some connections and so I was really kind of like curious too because I was like positive coaching alliance like, what is this group of people like I mean I had some good coaches in college, but I had a roller coaster ride of coaches as a kid and, and, and student athlete and So as I looked in the organization, you know, seemed like something really cool. I started talking to people um, and they were just right away. I kind of knew they were culturally different. And then like, they had like this reverse interview where you got to interview the people of the company. And so that, that was a really cool opportunity to kind of really learn what they were about. And so it kind of circled back to when I was in college, like, oh yeah, I did really want to like kind of get into coaching and help coach kids and mentor kids and, and help other coaches and things like that and so started doing business development and stuff for them with their partnerships here getting the chapter off the ground in denver i think it was like chapter number six around the country now they have like 20 chapters i don't know and so but it was then seeing their education that really wanted me to be the educator and so um that's what kind of first got me in front of of kids and groups and coaches was you know they would train their trainers and um, so I started doing that and then how would you rate their uh, content? Um, I think I think it depends on like the group. I think they have a, there's a lot of good good things. I think there's um, I think what, it's, what would you say their like top pillars are? Um youth coaches working with you just, just getting youth coaches to understand the impact of, of what they can impact a child's mental psyche and things like that. I, th- I think that some of that, but it's, it's, it's very, I think trainer dependent, um, you know, a, a book and online course is going to be a staple, but I think that was one of the things early on. I was like, Oh, like when you're the trainer, you can kind of take hold of that and, and give it your own life. Um I think, you know, audience dependent, as you know, there's a lot of factors um, for, for me. Getting to learn and really more so the organization's doors of opportunity to learn from others was a amazing opportunity. Um, like just, I remember, you know, getting to have, you know, two, three hours with Carol Dweck in a room with our staff and, and, and things like that. And some of the pro athletes and coaches that Jim Thompson would bring in. That was, I think, for me, some of the greatest education Um, getting to Stanford where I never would have as, as a student athlete, (laughs) getting to, to be connected there. Um, I think the content is something that's just kind of ever evolving, but um, I think there was a dynamic in that organization that trying to grow so fast made your content stagnant, stagnant and steady. So you could grow the same. So I think there was that, um, I give him um,
1: credit, man.
0: Anybody yeah. that has had that type of growth and impact,
1: I mean, they're, they're doing something right.
0: Yeah. And I think Jim Thompson, the founder, uh, one of the most incredible men that I've you know got to be around. He's really the guy that, um, and I always tell him like he, he, we would go to meetings and he'd be like, all right, we're going to meditate. And I remember being like, what? We're, we're, we're having a, we're going to do what to start the staff meeting. And, and, but he was really the guy that, that got me into meditation over five years ago and something that's now become, you know, a daily practice and, and something that I, I teach and share. Do you, with use others. An app? do you use like Headspace or Calm or do you have your own? Um, I, a lot of times just listen to simple sounds or music. Sometimes I'll listen to some guided ones. Uh, sometimes um, I'll dabble with some apps. Spotify or, or on, on YouTube or YouTube, Spotify. Yeah um I'm like I like I like to meditate in the sauna sometimes <laughs> yeah I do too what, what's your favorite uh on Spotify to, to meditate what's your favorite sound if I, I, it? I literally just pull up like general stuff like I just kind of you know differentiate it sometimes you know I'll find something I really like and I'll go back to it I'd have to look at my Spotify <laughs> to like to to think of it but even for me I you know and sometimes I think I kind of feed what I need um sometimes I think I just need to be mindful and just listen to maybe Tibetan bowls you know something something like that and just you know maybe it's more clearing and and maybe if my mind is more cluttered I'll probably maybe go for something that's more guided to give me some some words um and then other times maybe when I'm just feeling blah um you know I'll, I'll try to find something with more affirmation um, sure. I, to kind of I, did
1: a, I did a series I, I did like a ten part series of uh, mindfulness called right here i can mm-hmm. it's, I, I can send it to you so it's like a ten yeah i like love
0: it yeah would
1: love it an album but it's like it's uh, links that they're that you can listen to like the first yeah. one, the first one's a video it's like an in like an introduction to mindfulness like what it is and why it's powerful and then the nine there's nine like like guided
0: cool yeah i love
1: content it's more like for like performers athletes or
0: yeah i think that's i found myself just like i don't know dabbling's the right word sampling um i think just working with our student athletes sometimes it's like finding the right thing that'll vibe with them um and so you know researching that way for for the kids sometimes but the have you heard any of uh Graham arts like up tempo. You like text me
1: now. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's a
1: uh, uh, mindset music. You know, it's, yeah, uh, it, I love his creativity. It was I, I, Graham, uh, like, Graham is a ne- next level dude. Yeah, um, so I think it's cool. I think it's, it's being creative. It's finding new
0: new ways to like teach it. It was. Uh, he sent me. I think whatever one sample he had sent me. I was like, can I share some of this with our athletes? And it was, it was cool because a couple kids that I thought were just not gonna be into into it, like, they kind of. That was what kind of like gravitated them because it had some some dope little beats Music in it.
1: Music is powerful. Music is a, yeah. a language that we all speak. You know that you can feel.
0: For sure, and I think it was it
1: can alter your mood, alter your state.
0: Yeah. So. Um, I think
1: the challenge of all this stuff is getting kids to just be still and just do nothing for
0: a few minutes, you know. Yeah. Speaking of still and quieting the mind, I got to throw you back a question, right? That was one of the reasons I um, wanted to have you back on. I think for the other listeners, the this Colin is my first return guest on the Elevate podcast. Um, one of my favorite reasons why is I think just the way you can basically make me pivot and make me open up into my history and and talk about things right out the gate so um I had like you know my questions and want to get into a few of those but one of the things I love about you is how you can um ask questions to to get people to open up and share and create create the dialogues you do so um at the same time you know making me be vulnerable and pushing me I think you're one of the people that um I respect it and see as a distant mentor through your content. So huge appreciation for you coming back. Um, The quiet mind part, new book, there's quiet mind and the quiet mind for kids. Correct. Correct. Two books. Yeah. We got kind of teens and adults and one for kids. I will say the
1: one for kids is for all ages. It's just simplified, but one for adults, man, it's, it is a a workbook. It's a, it's, it's like a, a program. You know, it's not just like self-help and here's some stories like it. It's it's like a workbook.
0: Well, my copy is on the way from Amazon. So go to Colin's website. I'll have it linked up here. Uh, You can find it real easy on Amazon as well. My copy should be here Saturday. So I'm ready to dig in. I will get my kids a copy as well here soon. But what are you most excited about this book, man?
1: most excited about usually like for me when i write books it's like a it's like this diary it's just uh, capturing my thoughts my my feelings what i've been learning what i've been teaching um and over the last few years so i think that's why like book writing is such a powerful thing because it's like a snapshot of where you are in your in your journey and this is my uh sixth and seventh book so it's kind of evolved um and i look back at some like my like earlier works i'm like did i really write that you know (laughs) And so it's good because you want to get better. I had to like tell a story, but link a concept, do an activity. And a lot of times my books is an extension of when I like train like businesses and athletes. I just take the concepts and the ideas and, and also stories. There's a lot of stories of, of business people, athletes that i have trained kids I've worked with and like, well, here's where they were. Here's a drill that we did. And this is what, this is what happened. You know? So here's what, you can do. So I ask a lot of questions in the book. Um, I really um, say that you are my co-author because I write a lot of stuff, but there's space for you to also write. Cool. So yeah, it's it's, It's good. I'm excited just for tools, man. You mentioned tools. I think just like you uh, playing safety in college and having some injuries, having some setbacks. But what I love what you said is when you're going through therapy, which I've been through therapy for myself and our marriage, I guess very powerful, very, very, very healing, very important is your identity tied to, to like something. Yeah. Your, your identity tied to yourself with the white socks or the nuggets or playing football and then like figuring out like your worth. Right. And do my, my worth was, was tied to how I did instead of like Mm -hmm. being authentic, present and growing. So actually the origin story of this book, I got a text message from the Mariners. One of their managers in their like, farm system was like, Colin, we, we have two people on our, on our one coach and one player who has the uh, yips. Mm-hmm. So the yips, listeners, you will know what the yips are, is this like mental block. Like think about, I think of Charles Barkley's horrific swing a few years ago. Like there's some type of <laughs> mental like hindrance to like execute what you normally could execute, you know, really? where, for one of them, there was a, a coach who throwing batting practice could not. He would hit guys and just couldn't throw a strike. And for the ego, you know, self-worth tied to how well you perform, like it was, it was messing with him.
0: Right.
1: There was another player just throwing a ball to, to, to the pitcher, like back to the pitcher. It was just difficult. So I was like, well, I, I can't solve this problem in a, in a text message. I can't address this through a text message. And I have so much empathy for people who are going through a mental struggle because i had a case of the yips getting back to sixth grade till i was like 27 even like till now like i used to stutter in certain environments um having to read out loud put a microphone put a camera in front of me being in front of like a a formal audience like i had a hard time putting together a sentence because of just anxiety i could talk normally but put me in a certain environment i just i couldn't put together a sentence so i did a lot of work a lot of speech therapy a lot of therapy i did i did toastmasters like i have i have empathy for that so I put together this program, a mental conditioning, quiet mind program. Just like if you want to eat healthier, you meet with an expert to give you a program. If you want to get healthier physically, you meet the expert to give you a program to work, work your body out. So I just put together this program. And this is, a, this is an extension. This is an expanded version. Because really think about this, Tyler, when you were balling out, you weren't thinking about stuff. When you were stressed, anxious, underperforming, you're thinking about a lot of stuff. For sure. So it really, it takes a lot of work. Think about your laptop, man. If there's a lot of tabs open that you haven't restarted your computer over time, like it's hard to function properly. So we want to just like delete these, these tabs and what I call trauma, drama, daddy, and mama. all this stuff you've been holding on to. Yeah. That's really not true. And just getting back to you, man, this, I'm I'm not defined by this performance. So if you, there's like real fear and fake fear. A lot of times fear is created in our own mind. Um, And it's, it's not really not real fear, but it
0: it does feel real. Feels very real sometimes. Uh, Definitely. I think, um, I like the analogy of the the open tabs or the apps. I I can't like stand open tabs or apps. Like that is, I don't know, maybe slight OCD in me, but I want it, you know, if I'm not using it,
1: but here's an example. Let's just use, like, I know you work with, with college athletes a lot. Let's, let's look at this example. So, so yeah. why, why is Tom Brady the go? He's, what, 44? Yeah. So when, when, when Tom Brady or Derek Jeter, my favorite athlete, Jeter, or the top executive who's given a speech or whatever it is. So when, when Tom Brady's at the line of scrimmage, he's like, there's the Mike linebacker. I see the front. I'm going to key this safety on, the, on this mesh on this read. And that's all he thinks about the best focus on less, not more. The the best have this this like quiet mind. Yeah. Now let's look at a undrafted free agent rookie. His first preseason game, he knows his keys. There's the mic. There's the front. Here's how many safeties. Here's the coverage. I'm going to keep either this backer or whatever on this 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 route combination. But then he's thinking about what is the OC thinking? Um, what are the fans thinking? It's on national television on sports. There's a girl I want to get. You know, the last play I threw an interception. You Know, I have to get a touchdown here, or get a completion, though, so I can you know make the roster. Right? It's hard to execute when your mind is that loud
0: for sure. So,
1: less focus on less. So, how can we? So, I'm like curious, okay, how, how can we manufacture that like quiet mind? It takes the work, just like you get your body fit and, and trained and, and conditioned, yeah, endurance or explosive to be explosive. I believe. The brain is the most powerful, most we have. It's, it's the most undertrained. trained well, Let's have some daily drills, some daily processes
0: to, to get clear. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, when I was a college athlete, you know, cell phones weren't connected to the internet yet. Um, still traveled on the road with a Discman.
1: We actually played, I think we played the exact same time. When I was at um,
0: So, So, you know, these you know, iPod, you know, MP3 players were just kind of coming out, you know, and so maybe you had one of those, but now an athlete can walk into a building with a cell phone and it has their music on it. You know, it has their phone, but it has so much, so much more, And and it, I think that, you know, it opens the door. We have so much access to so much more noise. Can you talk about just kind of maybe, How our environment and society has made this even more of a necessary skill at some points.
1: Yeah, I think like what prior to like 2005, after 2005 with like, and then 2012. I think 2005 was uh, YouTube. 2012 was was Instagram. What 2019? You know what's the um, you know um, um, TikTok? TikTok. (laughs) I was thinking it was called like Musically before that. Mm -hmm. The brain. In 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 three days consumes as much information as we did in, in our whole, whole lifetime. Yeah. yeah, all the exposure to email, text messages, uh, DMs, screens, swiping, Instagram, you know, you know, um, Facebook, Twitter, you know, uh, TikTok. Like we the brain isn't 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 designed to to process all the information that, that's that's coming at us. But I I say there are three U's. There's the real, ideal, and public you. Real, ideal, and public. So this real you is kind of like, I don't know how you're, how you're born. This ideal is like, Hey, the best version, like, you know, I can be the values and who I'm around, but this, this public you is like, okay, what do I think other people think of me? I think most people spend all their time on that. And it's this phrasing you aren't who you think you are. You aren't who others think you are. You are what you think other people think you are. It's really not even true. And you can't control that. So um, I just think we need to put some kind of like guardrails and, when I'm training, training athletes and performers and business people, I, I say, you know, we all have this inner critic, this inner judge, mm-hmm. and it's served by what I call these like bad cops that keep you in performance jail, C O P P. The C is you're comparing yourself. You're comparing, you're constantly swiping and, and comparing and, and judging and, well, they have this, I don't have that. And it's just so exhausting. and It's unfair because people yeah. are showing that the, the, their highlights and you're looking at your <laughs> behind the scenes, like my life is like that. It's not true. The O is worrying about the opinions of others. And so what are people thinking? How does that look? And uh, we're, they're suffering from from FOPO. Pop quiz title. who created that, that phrasing
0: for FOPO who's on your on your show. Um I know Michael Gervais is a big share of the FOPO and the um, Dr. Michael Gervais, yeah. yeah so. so he's like this
1: is the an epidemic for our, our, our culture. It's fear yeah. of people's opinions. And you, you're so caught up on views, likes. What are people thinking? How they look? How many you – you take, like, 30 pictures to post one 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 picture.
0: I think it's – interesting. it's – when we talk about, like, when I think about, you know, when I was a college athlete, it was hard to find, like, an opinion, like an outsider's opinion of you. Yeah. Like, of your te- – like but now you can just search a hashtag, search the internet, and you can find a lot of opinions of how you did on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and it's – and then it's like, you know, it's just, uh, just like you said, there's such more coming at you, right? There's so much yeah. more information. And, it's not fair. Yeah. And then
1: we're going to work through this model. So the, the P is this, this lie of being perfect, perfection. Right? Yeah. Like give yourself no margin for error. Like you made a mistake, like you're magnified like, like 20 times. And you have grace for other people, but you don't have grace for yourself. And it's like if someone on your team or at work makes a mistake, you would never go to them and say, man, you suck. Okay. You do belong out here. What's wrong with you? And what's also interesting is that 70% of people suffer from imposter syndrome. They don't feel like they're, they're worthy. So, like, they're just chasing this, like, you know, this worth, and they got to be perfect. Um, and the last P is, like, prize. Getting your, your well-being and your happiness tied to an outcome. I'll be happy when this happens. Or right. you know, it's like this eye on the prize. Well, I, well, get your eye on the process. Process over outcome. Like, like lo- love the journey, lo- love the uh, growth. You had Dweck, you met Carol Dweck with your work earlier. Yeah. It's like growth mindset, man. Let's get good. Good validation and effort. Yeah. Um, so I really work, I really work, uh, people I train like four levels of confidence. The first level is no confidence. You just don't have it. It's just not there. The, the, the next one, and shout out to my boy, Graham, he kind of kind of worked through this together. The, the second one is it's called stable confidence, where st- with a stable confidence, that where you get hung up is you need to see an outcome. Like I need to see the ball go through I need to get a hit in my first at bats. I need to get a tackle in the game or I need to get a catch or a completion to feel confident. You need to see an outcome be confident. Sure. And then level three is what is called uh, stable confidence. You don't need an outcome, but you need validation. You need someone to affirm that, yeah, that's, that's good. Or that, that idea works. Or, you know, after your, your, your speech, Tyler, Hey, how, how was that? Like you yeah. just don't believe until someone's going to validate it. And then the fourth level is what we call unshakable confidence. What Grand Bretcher he calls it su- supreme confidence. Like you don't need an outcome. You don't need validation. You know your values. Yep. You're doing it because you love the game, the process, the craft. You're not doing it for a result. The, the journey is the reward, not the outcome. But it takes a lot of mental training, a lot of uh, self-compassion, a lot of self-empathy, and just passion for the craft to get to that unshakable confidence but it it was possible to uh, train
0: it. Oh, most definitely. I think it's, you know, as you've seen, you know, question for you, you know, you've seen the growth and evolution and the mental training. I think it's becoming more prevalent. I think it's even, how do you see mental training correlate with the support and rise for greater mental health?
1: The way I explain it is if you think about like a a sports organization, like your guys' team, you got the training room and you got the weight room.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Both are important, right? Yep. Yep. So you, you got injured, you know, you hurt your back. You're in the training room for six months, right? Getting that thing right, getting that thing healthy. And that, that was super needed. But you also in your career, man, you're in the weight room every day in season, off season, getting bigger, stronger, faster in the mental call it health or fitness or the, the mindset space, it's all been rehab, yep. therapy, counseling, which we need training room, we need therapist counselors, we need, you know, licensed professionals to help us through heavy, heavy injury, like emotional injury, mental emotional yeah. injury. When well, you think you're immune to injury, you think as an athlete, you're never going to get dinged up? Of course you are, but there's no stigma around going to the training room. Why should there be a stigma around working with a licensed professional with your with your mind to get clear to, to give you some tools to help you go in so you can get out? While that is also true, we need to spend as much time on the prehab with our mind. Yeah. So mental conditioning is not rehab. it is, is prehab. We help winners win more. We help you, you know get more clear things like uh, self-awareness self-talk self-image courage how to manage fear how to deal with, with pressure um process over outcome you know goal setting you know, how, how to how to visualize how to use mindfulness how to connect how to lead how, how to serve Train yeah. things like like gratitude like proactive work so i i see what we're, we're seeing it now it's it's more more prevalent a lot of top stars kind of came out publicly about having i i can't uh, i can't play in this competition because my mind isn't where it needs to be yeah even people like like Phelps who I haven't app, you know, like it's, it's become a more a, a prevalent. It's, it's more, um, I guess, normal, but I would like to see more work on the prehab personally.
0: We're working on a, a program. Cause just like you said, eventually, I think you played football too. Like it, it's not, if you're going to get hurt, it's when, <laughs> almost when you play the game of football. And so, um, we're working with our, our medical team and, and kind of some resources that we have that, especially some of these injuries that are multiple month rehabs that we're interjecting, uh, you know, just more mental training through that process. Um, well, so, look
1: at look at the model. Who, what program in the last fifteen years has won the most, the most titles? Right. Alabama. Alabama. And Saban has six – hired people on the mental performance side yeah they're doing prehab and they're doing rehab they have a whole a whole program
0: and he brings in amazing speakers to supplement yeah. <laughs> all the time
1: yeah. Yeah. like this is a huge component um, but what i love about Sabin is like he's open he wants to learn and get better like coaches out there are you open to evolve yeah are you open to ask for help asking for help with sign of strength are you able to get to get vulnerable and you know and and take away all this control of I have to do it. No, like bring in some people who have the, the different skills to help you. Yeah. you have a coach that you know in football, a coach to teach you how to how to backpedal, tackle, run, catch, block, throw. Yeah. Why not bring a coach to teach you how to how to think better?
0: No doubt. I think there's one of the favorite things a coach had told me once was what outside voices are reinforcing what you're doing in your building? Because your kids are gonna find tons of outside voices. So what, which ones are you purposely bringing into your building? Like Saban does an excellent job. Um, You know, a lot of other, you know, coaches, you know, I think Dabo, you know, brings in John Gordon and and a list of other great people too and things like that. Um, That, you know, I I think seeing our college environment, um, kids, kids are, they're searching for things. So when we talk about mindfulness or, or meditation apps, like they're interested, it's not that hard to get them interested, but to get them, you know, that thing that's going to get them really interested and see it as something that can help them um, takes discussion, takes time, takes investment. It takes different voices.
1: Well, and I usually just, I just show data. So I say, I'll quote. um, So over a million Americans are missing work each day due to stress. Anxiety is the number one mental health concern in adults and teens. During COVID, nearly yeah. one or two people have noted that their mental health was impacted in a negative way. Um, 75 to 90% of USA doctor visits are caused by stress. US companies are losing half a trillion dollars because of mental health, because their employees are not in, engaged because of stress. Um, this stat blew my mind. 63% of people wanna leave their job due to stress. In, in college, 85% of college trainers say that performance anxiety negatively affects their athletes. Big time. So just like how, you know, years ago, I remember in high school, we had, before we could play, they taught us how to like tackle. They watched this video of, like, your head. If your head is down, you're going <laughs> to break your right, back. Right, right, yep. And all this, like, brain, brain, you know, injuries we have to tackle properly. You get trained in a certain way, and there's penalties. It's, it's, it's for safety. So, looking at the numbers of depression, anxiety, suicide, and addiction, if we're not giving our kids, our employees, mental performance or uh, um, mindset or just healthy w- well-being training, we're being negligent. Yeah. It's unsafe. Yeah. So, you're being negligent if you're not. Look at the data. I mean, this is evidence-based data. Yeah. So it's, it's like you're letting your, your people run around without wearing a helmet. I
0: think... To a, I think one of my observations over the last year is we've done such a great job of talking about physical training and, and weight rooms and movement and, and things like that on the physical side. Kids come in, I see a lot of student athletes, they come in more physically prepared maybe, but that mental gap is still just large. And just be and not not that they're not capable or can't do it, but it's the just the analogy you talked about earlier that Tom Brady versus the rookie free agent whiteout on his first snap it's there's a lot you can see you know in those new environments um that physically they can handle um but but well, the gap but on the know, other
1: side. in wager the, 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 the goats were not the I mean, aside from Lebron the goats were the not the most physically like is Brady the most physically gifted no Seen. You look mm-hmm. at like you look at Kerr, like Steph, like is he the most physically dude? No. Nope. Um, I obviously love Jeter. Like Jeter is my favorite athlete. Like <laughs> he kind of leaves skinny and six three and made a ton of errors in the minor leagues. And okay. but the thing about Brady and Jeter and all these guys is you can see and you can test them physically like the combine, but you can't open up and look inside their brain and look inside their heart. It's hard to it's hard to tangibly measure those. For sure. Uh, uh, skills emotionally uh, uh, mentally and leadership like you, you can't measure them so a lot of times when I work with performers even in this book quiet mind I do like a baseline assessment I ask some questions for a baseline where you self-reflect on certain measures then you go through the workbook and then you re- reassess at, at, the, at the end yeah that's like a baseline but you, but you have to reflect I can't answer for you. you can
0: maybe. We talked about it. some of uh, our other, you know, legends, Michael Gervais and, and, and people that, you know, have impacted us, Carol Dweck and in, in the field. Um, a guy that I know you got to spend some time with. We, we sadly lost a legend recently, um, but wanted to, since I had you on um, Trevor Moat and what, what were some things or takeaways that uh, he, he had gifted and left you with? I know he's gifted and left a lot to the world. And I think a lot of the world has, plenty of time to uncover some of those those things but what were some that he left with you yeah you, you got you got
1: trevor i mean talking about titans like to me he's one of the, like the og pioneers I and mean, i think yeah. he's the first uh, person in the field where a pro bowl quarterback says um my mental performance coach you know he name drop russell wilson would name drop his name and so so trevor normal i mean trevor kind of normalized this for a lot of us so i remember i was uh, learning all this stuff. I overcame a lot of like stress, anxiety, Had did a lot of mental work in my business career, saw that it worked. So I was speaking at a school about just the, the the power of thought, kind of learning this stuff. And I talked to a school, talked to a few classes. And one of the teachers in there was a was a basketball coach. And he called me after the thing. I knew him personally, I that like, Colin, I want you to look up the name, Trevor Moet. He's a mental conditioning coach for Russell Wilson, Alabama, Florida State. He worked yeah. all these. And I'm like, what's a mental conditioning coach? He's working with, <laughs> working with like Russell, my, my quarterback. He's working with <laughs> like the biggest names. Like, what's mental conditioning? So I was like, I never heard that before. So when I started researching, like, I saw like a model of really what I didn't I knew it existed. Yeah. Like imagine a kid who dreams of being an, an actor or actress or a singer or an engineer or a doctor and, and then someone shows them like you can do this. Like I saw that this could be done and call it the, the law of attraction or thoughts become things or, you know, knowing similar people. I got to meet uh, Russell, Harry, his older brother, and then then Trevor and, and a part of a group where we're bringing all this stuff to businesses. So spend time with Trevor and asking questions and learning from him. Um, I just I learned a few things. Thing about what I love about Trevor is Trevor is honest, mm-hmm. and and Trevor told me is like, "Okay, hey, Colin, not everybody wants this." That's kind of the like biggest challenge for him is not everybody wants this. So the best gift he gave me is so you can't go in there and just expect everybody wants it. Like you have to earn their trust, yeah. and you have to to entertain, to captivate. And what I loved about Trevor is. What I learned from Trevor, he taught me is man, storytelling is is your your best tool. If you look at Trevor's content, we we'll say that he's one of the best storytellers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: He doesn't just talk about theory, he'll give you an example. And with Trevor, do simple better.